0: one of the things that I do, especially this time of year, is you look back and go, okay, so what did I accomplish in 07? What did I get done? What am I going to do in 08? What do I need to change? What strategy, tactics, um, what what am I doing in my life that I need to either adjust or modify? And it's, it's kind of a time of taking stock. Um, we We kind of sing about that and we talk about it around New Year's and that out with the old, in with the new, and of course, what do we got all got to make? What is it? We make our promises to ourselves, our what? Exactly. Well, those resolutions. It's a good time for us to think on some different things. Um, what? What do we hold dear? Why do we hold it dear? What things are we doing? What are we doing on a daily level that should or shouldn't be doing, that we need to do more of? Um, I was reading uh, Chuck Swind- one of Chuck Swindoll's books, and he talked about the fact that there was a, a period where they were into some heavily heavy study of doctrine. And they were becoming very knowledgeable on doctrine, and they, they knew the, the meat of the matter, and they knew it very heavily. And He said, you know, he goes, what I noticed is, was we did this. We got into it and we started, you know, oh, 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 you don't know the doctrine of this. And you don't. And he said, and it built up in us this pride that we started looking around going, well, they don't know what we know. And this knowledge started puffing us up. And he said it bred a pride and a legalism that just cut off everything, the whole point of what they were trying to learn in the first place. And I thought it was interesting. It kind of brings us to the, the questions of what you know what do we hold true and why?" And typically our answers are what? Well, one is what the Bible says, and then sometimes the second answer, which is, we confuse sometimes with what the Bible says with, "Well, that's the way we've done it." right? Well, that's the way we've done it because that's what the Bible says. Is it? And don't get me wrong, I'm not coming here today to say, here are some things that we need to go through and dramatically change. I think we have been moving in a a, a form of unanimity. I was very tickled with the, the vote and how we came out recently, just making decisions and moving together as a body. And it was greatly encouraging. And I'm encouraged about that growth, but I want to see us not hesitate on that, and but to keep moving forward. So today is an encouragement to, as you've seen the bumper sticker, you know, question authority. Well, question ourselves is where I'm really coming from. Question what we're doing and take a good stock of what we're doing and why. Before we start with that, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we ask now that you will move in us, with clarity of thought that you will block out distractions Lord that you will help us to focus on worshiping you and Lord understanding better both ourselves and you that we may be better servants that is all that we can achieve Lord Lord we ask this in earnestness and in sincerity in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Psalms 119 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And to follow that lamp is what we need to do. We, you know, A lot of times we love to have the, the million watt you know, candlelight light sitting out here so we can see way down there. I love to have my high beams on when I'm driving at night rather than the low beams. Why? Because man, you can you can look out and you can see everything, you can see where you're going. When it gets all foggy, and what do you start doing? You're slowing down. Let off the gas pedal some, it's like, I can't I can't see. And there's deer around here and I can't see. You slow down. And in reading this verse, I was reminded of our our dog Isabel. Uh, we, we take her for a walk, and she has a training collar. You guys know what a training collar is? It's not just a regular collar. It has little prongs on it, okay? And what it does is if the dog pulls too hard on the leash, then the prongs pull into the neck, and it tightens down. It's to teach them not to do that. It's a training collar. And I was, there's times that I think that we do that both in a good way and a bad way, as the dog does, we go, "Oh, hey, look! There's something over here. I want to go in this way." And that's what the collar is there for. But there's sometimes another collar that's on us, and it's a collar, that's, a collar that's a bondage to sin. And that collar that's a bondage to sin sometimes draws us off, or keeps us from the path that we should be doing and should be following. And it's something that we allow to be on us. That we go over and slide our head into that bondage. Then we try to go, oh, here's the path. can't get there. Why can't I? Because I'm allowing that bondage to sin to be a collar to me. Now, Augustine says this, freedom is not the ability to always choose between the right and the wrong but the ability always to choose the right. God is perfectly free. As people, we have a bondage to sin, and it creates more sin. And it's up to us to take stock of our lives, especially if we proclaim to be Christians, which is what I'm planning on speaking to today. If we plan if we claim to be Christians and we allow this bondage on here, we are not doing what we should be doing. We are not following as we should. Paul puts this, this puts it this way in Romans seven, both verses fourteen and nineteen. I like these. It says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. Nineteen says this, for the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. Paul points out that sin sin is not an excuse, but it's a condition. It's a human condition. We've been talking about that a little bit in uh a, a little bit a lot in Sunday school, because in order to get to our ethic, we've been talking about Christian ethics and what ethics mean we have to recognize that we are sinners. All of us, the entire world. Now, if we're going to go on based on freedom, freedom means we have to have freedom in Christ. That's where we have to draw our strength from. And in bearing that in mind, we have to understand that the only way that you have that freedom is by accepting the solution that's been found. What we, we celebrated the birth just last week of Jesus Christ. Birth, death, and resurrection. A lot of times we talk about the birth and death, we don't hit the resurrection. We've got to make sure we say that. That was one of those things that I had to take stock a few years ago to make sure I was saying, and resurrection. Because if he's dead, it doesn't matter. As Paul said, we're just we're pointless. We're of most men most worthless and silly and vain. The resurrection, though, is what counts. I always thought instead of crosses, we should have an open, open tomb. Just be an empty tomb there. be harder to draw than a cross, but you know. Oh well. Bearing that in mind, Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? If our hearts are that deceitful, what do they hide from us? Right? Regina went upstairs the other day to, to, to go into Reagan's room, and she, she opened the door. The door wouldn't open. It was unlatched, but somebody was, and Reagan kind of scooted out from in front of it. She was sitting up against the door. And she's going, She says, What do you have in your mouth? Piece of chocolate. She goes, what were you thinking? She goes, I don't know. I must have been out of my mind. (laughs) Absolutely adorable in that, but you know what? She's being deceptive, isn't she? She's hiding. She knows she's not supposed to be doing it. That's what our hearts do to us. Except with us, it's it's not so cute. It's sin that builds up. Paul exhorts us to address this very appropriately in Philippians. If you'd like to turn there in chapter 2 of Philippians, he focuses on humility. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Philippians 2, 1 through 5. It says this if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. He reiterates and goes through what Christ went through. In verse 12, he continues and says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved nation. Generation, excuse me, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. I find interesting that kind of almost in direct response to Jeremiah 17, 9 that heart is deceitful and wicked. Paul touches on that. He says, don't do it out of the ambition. Don't do it out of the deceitfulness. Don't do it for that heart reason. Look to the others first. Humble. Humility. That's the opposite of that deceitfulness that the heart's trying to do because the heart just isn't deceitful going, oh, I want to be deceitful. It's doing it for a purpose because the heart says, me, 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 right? Right? What is it we have to talk talk about in Christmas time? It's better to give than receive, right? Why do we do that? Because our heart goes, me, oh, I want the present. Is it mine? Is it my present? The shiny one there. Is it my name on it? That's what we start doing. Paul knows that and touches on that, and that's why he encourages us to address that. Now, note it says working out the salvation. This is not, I'm not saying works salvation. Don't get that wrong. You repent, you put your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Then you follow his will. And that following his will is where we have to work out our salvation. You've got to work. This isn't, oh, cake ride. I'm a Christian, went down the aisle, did my thing, whatever. It's work. That's one of the things that always concerned me was when we, when we tell somebody as a new Christian, come on in, it's great. It's, 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 this is, you know, we, we talk about the yoke. We also need to tell them, guess what? You're now coming onto a battlefield. We've already won, but it is a battlefield. You need to be aware of that. And not paint somebody a rosy picture that says, oh, guess what? Everything's hunky-dory now. No. You need to learn to work out your salvation, to rely on God and build your faith. And that takes work. In doing that, we need to make sure that we're working in a way that allows us to follow his lead wherever that leads us. Hannah Joe, wherever you guys go, where God leads you, John and Ashley off to Kenya. I don't know if you guys know it, but this uh Regina sent me a text uh Friday. There's trouble in Kenya right now. Time for us to lift them up in prayer because. That may mean they may get slammed with extra physical problems. They may, be, they may turn into a mash unit. They may get co-opted. The trouble may come to them. We don't know. God's led them. They need, we need to pray that they continue to stay open to God's leading. They may have access by healing and showing their love there. Who knows who they may be able to lead to God and witness to. There are many ways in which we follow God's lead. Philomena with living water, being moved to tears and saying, I've got to do something. Now people have water there. Two places already, moving to a third. That's following God's lead. We have prayer considerations. We talked about a mission trip to Turkey this year. Turkey, you know, right next to Iraq where there's increasingly warfare. Wow, I don't want to do that. Guess what? You're already on the battlefield. Now it's time to work. Court preaching again in Ethiopia. He's balancing out what God's called him to do and also with family responsibilities. We need to pray for him on that as well. But these are big tangibles. These are the kind of big things we can go, wow, that's something we can point to and look at. And Wow, they they went to this place but you know something if we look in Matthew chapter 25 at the parable of the talents what does he tell us there Jesus tells us something very important he says if you've been faithful in a few things i will put you in charge of many things the way you get to these big tangibles is by being faithful with the small the little piece of paper that we throw in the recycling because we're being good stewards. Why? Because God put us in charge of this planet. That doesn't mean we put the planet before God. We put God first and be good stewards. First things first. James 4 says this, verses 6 through 12. If we're going to change these few things... Let's look at what James says. James chapter 4, verses 6 through 12. It says, but he gives a greater grace, that is God. He says, therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy but who are you to judge your neighbor? See, humility here is all about perspective. Um, the song, In My Father's Eyes, Amy Grant sang it a long time ago, and I've heard it redone. It's all about having proper perspective. A friend of mine always says, he goes, I, there's, there's two laws I go by. There is a God, and I'm not him. That's where I start everything from. There is a God, and I'm not him. Now that we have the perspective down, now we can go forward. If we don't have that perspective, things start getting skewed. And this little me, me, me in here starts jumping up, trying to be first. James goes on in verses 13 through 17, and he says it in 15, this way he says, If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that humbling ourselves to the extent that even our conversation and speech doesn't say, you know what? Tell you what, this year we're going to go to the mission trip. You know what? If the Lord wills, we'll make it to the mission trip. If the Lord wills, we'll see you next week. And that really impressed upon me because that was one of those things where I look at it and go, do I at a day-by-day in the little things... Do that level of faith action? Do I unite the two together there? Paul talks about it. Says in Him we move and live and have our being, referring to God. The the Greeks and Romans we talked about this earlier focused on being and talked about these deep essence of being, what it means to exist. We get so busy nowadays, we're like, oh, I got the phone, I got this. I actually checked to make sure I didn't have my cell phone on me that wouldn't go off while I was up here, you know. We get all these little things and all these distractions, and, well, where do you want to go today? The Sunday paper said uh, 540 things in here and 24,000 more things to do online. Where do you want to go? <laughs> it was like, how many things could you do? As one person, you couldn't do all those in your lifetime. Do we stop to take that time to find in him we live and move and have our being and really rely on him and let that come out in a day-to-day basis. As a time of reflection, we're going to have communion next week. And communion, we're always encouraged, you know, examine our own lives and in examining our lives to see if there's anything holding us back. And that includes, what do you want to say, um, if we have something against a brother or sister, if there's something we need forgiveness for, that we need to ask for it. You know. Jesus says if you, if you come you know, to the altar with a gift and you realize you've got something against a brother, set the gift down and go take care of it. Um, in doing that, that's kind of the positive side. And I also remember the, the negative side of that. The, the I'll say the punishment side, if you will. My mom used to keep a paddle. Well, she went through paddles. She, went at the, she kept the belt. I'll put it that way. <laughs> paddles were just too light. they break too easily for her. Um, yeah. Um, you listening, CJ? Um, she had a nice belt. It was leather about this big, about that thick. And she kept it hung up so it was visible, so you could see it as a reminder to do what's right, so you didn't get this too often. And I I think of, in Hebrews, there's a passage here I want to read through. The court's actually going to be preaching on this. um, I think it's March 9th, something like that. I was looking at the calendar out there. I was like, oh, we're going to mention that today. So, we'll, we'll be ready for him when he catches this, but This is, to me, one of those punishment pieces passages that I I do like to put in front of me to remind me not to do the bad, but to do the right. It says this, Hebrews 5, 11, and we're going to read through chapter 6, verse 3. It says, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God, God's word, all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with a teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Verse, or chapter 6, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God of instruction about washing and laying out of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgments. This we will do if God permits. And from there, the writer of Hebrews goes on to examples of faith. But when you look at that, I mean, that to me is the literary equivalent of that belt you're still going after the milk. What are you doing? You gotta go for the meat. You've got to grow. Yes, it's work, it's hard. So I tell the kids, chew your food. You gotta chew it up, right? You can't put it in, just swallow it. Chew the food. Amazing how many times a kid can chew a piece of meat, isn't it? They can sit there for a half an hour on one piece of meat. Oh, frustrates me. And I, I see that in the in the writer in Hebrews saying that going. You're not going after the deeper things. And some of you, you should be teachers. And why why aren't you? And go to the next level. And I I see that in the urging, in the drawing forward, and I think, okay, if that's the belt that's hanging up there, I need to make sure that I'm taking care of myself so that I don't get to that position. And yet, in 36 years of being in church, one of the things I've seen Very rarely, I've heard about them, but like when we have communion, is somebody saying, you know what, I've got something against a brother or a sister, I need to go take care of it. We just let it go past. And I can't believe that with that many, I guess it's thousands of people when you look back over 36 years, but, but that there haven't been more issues there that people needed to rectify? I say that as, as an exhortation that over the, you've got a week to prepare. Look through your mind, look through your spirit, if there is anything that needs to be taken care of, and do so. Because if we're going to analyze the past and the future and look at where, we're gone, where we've been and where we're going... We have to go back to what James said. We have to humble ourselves. And that means putting others first. Not saying, well, I was right. You know what? Right doesn't matter. What matters is God being glorified. We have to be ready to grow. Not just sitting there going, okay. Now what? We have to be ready to grow, engaged in it. Draw near to God. That doesn't mean lay there on the couch. (laughs) Right? Sit in the pew. It means draw near. It means that's an engagement process on our part to do that. And I find it interesting that in that James and Paul both talk about the fact of not speaking ill of our brothers, our sisters. Instead, encourage them. Somebody's doing something you got a concern about or a problem? Flip it. Be positive with them. Be encouraging with them. If you can't figure out how to do it, talk to another brother or sister about how you can be positive. Ask God. Don't take it to them and say, do you know what they're doing? Now we get back into gossip. We don't want to go there. How can we be encouraging? Now, we all do things differently. We're always going to. Um, I heard a, a marriage sermon one time, and it was, it was a comment. And it said to the bride and groom, it said, you are going to have differences If you don't have differences and you're both the same, one of you is redundant and unnecessary. That's true. There's going to be problems. But you know what? That's part of coming together is working them out. Um, Now, rather than bumping up against a a, a sermon on Christian liberty and offending the weaker brother, we'll save that sermon for another time. I won't push two sermons in one here. Um, But in Sunday school, we've talked about the principle, not only the commandments, but how it comes together in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbors yourself. Now, that also means you work things out with your brothers and sisters. That means you also work out with your brothers and sisters. Yesterday was fun. You were saying that we harass and pick on each other. and We kept going and just, you know, you use that to encourage one another to keep doing things and keep energized it's brothers and sisters good sporting nature just having fun with each other you know what that's what we should be doing and encouraging one another 1 Corinthians chapter 5 9 through 13 says this and the reason I want to bring this up is there are times we end up going into a bubble and Paul addresses that here. He says, "This First Corinthians five nine through thirteen. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world, or with covetous, or in swindlers, or with the covetous and swindlers, or with idolaters. For then you would have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote you not to associate with any so-called brother." if he's an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a viler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with one such. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Okay? There is a degree to which we do fruit inspections internally, isn't there? Now, if we're not seeing fruit... Our job isn't to come up and be the vine cutter. We're not the one who comes up and does the clipping. God does that. How do you say that analogy? We're the ones to spread fertilizer around. We're to be the ones that are encouraging for helping to grow. We're the ones that are to encourage the fruit to grow. And don't expect the fruit on the non Christians. Don't set them to the same standard. Why? They're not Christians. That's what Paul says. You know what? If you didn't have to deal with people who lied and cheated and stole and all that, you couldn't live in this world. Most churches, you couldn't live in the church because that's what's there. Instead, what he says is if somebody claims to be a brother or sister and then lives like that and lives like there is no God, that person you stay away from, receive them back as a brother. But don't lose your reputation to that person. But the, all the people out here, keep giving them tracks. There you are, Bernice. <laughs> keep giving them tracks. Keep reaching out because that's where James says what? We're going to be stars shining out. We're to reach out to that world. Um, drop-in center, Keith, reaching out. Why are these people coming down here at 5 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning or, and making breakfast for us? They're thankful they're taking it, but it does raise a question in your eyebrow. it's those Christian people. What are they doing? Why? Now, something else I'll ask you is, the school still meets here. Has God laid anything on your heart for the next five months while school's still in place to reach out to the kids and the families that are here? The community is coming in more and more to this church, and we're becoming... <clears throat> thanks somewhat to the, the, the presidential focus of faith <clears throat> faith based initiatives to draw on churches to use local churches and the communities that, that we have and the support we have we 've got to make sure we 're ready for that opportunity to also reach out. See if god 's laid something on your heart for this next year to do for the kids here and the families that come in. Second, look around. Seriously, look around. Look around at your brothers and sisters. Don't look at Hannah and Joe, though. (laughs) Um. How are you going to strengthen and build them up? How are you going to impact your brothers and sisters here? Prayer chain. We're commanded to always pray, right? You might as well be informed when you're praying. Get on the prayer chain. Find out what's going on. I like it. Court now sends out an email. I'd be in the middle of a meeting and I'll get a message and go, ooh, you know. And I can pray quietly right there. And when I get out and pray, you know, a little more in depth. And But you know what? We stay informed about our brothers and sisters visiting, especially those who aren't here. You guys don't know how much it means to Carol Jean when people come by. There are others. Bev's not here today. Reaching out to her, Beulah. Thank you so much for what you do with her. Cards, Court and Mary McGee are two of the best at sending cards. Little encouragement cards. Those are the kinds of things I'm terrible at. That I'm, I might make up a phone, pick up a phone and call somebody. But I'm terrible at writing out a card, doing that, and finding a stamp. But you know what? But you get that? You know what? All I see is the envelope in the mail, and I'm already encouraged. Is that something that God's laying in your heart to do for next year? Phone calls? Sometimes we just need a hug. Sometimes it's showing up at a hospital when somebody else is going in. Are we going to take steps to invest in the lives around us? See, since I'm meddling. I'll go a little farther here. Um, Titus chapter 2. If you want to flip there, Ken. It's an interesting verse. And the reason I say it's it, it, an interesting chapter because it's a great chapter for to look at and say, well, what do you want to give a sermon on? Because it's Paul writing to Titus saying, here's what you should do. Here's your outline for every sermon from here on going forward. Pretty laid out, pretty simple. He starts off with, Men, in verse 2, teach the men these. Boom, boom, boom. Hits a few points. (coughs) Verses 3 through 5 are for the women. That's because they have to put up with the men. It's a little longer. But it's also about investing in the younger women. There's a process there. You know what it's like raising. Toby's got two and maybe a third, and if court's gone, she's going to need help. Now she may end up going down to her mother's and staying there for a while, but there are other times that she's going to need help. All of these, you know. Tammy's got her hands full. Um, Karen's going to have her hands really full. <laughs> she's going to have hers with more little ones. Invest in each other. Invest in the, Take the time to invest in one another. Young men, one thing: be sensible. I think that's Paul's plea. Just a little common sense, guys. (laughs) For the young men, that's all he asks. A little common sense. Carolyn, does that fit? Leaders and all of us, verses 7 through 10. And then he sums it up with this. In verses 11 to 14 of Titus, in chapter 2, he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness, and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the hope, and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem on every list deed, and to purify himself, people who are dust That is for good deeds. not because of random copies, but God directed us to do it. The world that Jesus came and ran and all that, be, but they see pattern. They don't see pattern, either, who does this. Now, in you draw know, close to God, and hope put up some really that kind of the it was as in our lives, we live as goes we live into our we are the and really all maybe it's because that's where the truth is and that's the one that satan cannot stand We're on a battlefield, folks. So we're taking stock, I encourage you to take stock of your spiritual life and how much it unites with the very day-to-day actions of your life. With that, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, asking for your spirit to move in us, Lord, we are all different parts of the body here. And we have different jobs and different talents and abilities. Lord, we just ask that you would make us aware of them and embolden us to use them just on a daily basis. Lord, move in us that we would be encouragers of the brothers and sisters here. Heavenly Father, that we will truly be your servants Lord, that we do not need the punishment, the belt, as it were. But, Lord, that you would favor us when we have served our time. When we are off this battlefield, Lord, that you will call us good and faithful servants. Help us to take stock now that we will be ready to be that. We ask this in your name. Amen. Mark, if you'd like to lead us in the song.